0: We're going to be continuing a, a, a series that we uh, started last week. On, on. It was Wednesday night. Uh, if you made it out during the hurricane, God bless you. That, yeah, <laughs> it was quite a bit of rain. Uh, but the, the, the name of the series is the Ten Commandments, a study of lawful grace. And really it's been a lot of studying uh, going down the list of the commandments. And I believe that there's a lot of richness in these particular verses that we have been looking at and we're going to continue to look at. Uh, What we need to understand about the Ten Commandments, this is not a a subject of law. When we say commandments, it's not something that God is saying, you have to keep this or I'm going to beat you over the head. That's not how God operates. What What it's called in the Bible in the original language, is called the Decalogue, which means 10 words. In other words, God gave 10 words to the people of Israel. And so don't look at it as commands. Look at it as what God wanted to tell a civilization of people. This is the words he chose to say. Now, when we talk about lawful grace, what does lawful mean? Lawful means being in harmony with the law, law law-abiding, allowed or permitted by law, recognized or sanctioned by law, appointed or recognized by law, or acting or living according to the law. That means when your faith is in Christ, you are considered lawful. You are considered a law keeper in the eyes of God. That's what that means. And then the word grace, according to the definition in Webster's, Miriam Webster's, it's according to uh, the unmerited divine assistance given to humans, For their regeneration and sanctification. A state of sanctification enjoyed through divine assistance, approval, mercy, pardon, and reprieve. So, as you can see, God still has a law. Every person that stands before God aside from Christ will be judged according to the law and will be found wanting. And they will not spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. But if you have put your faith and your trust in what God has accomplished for us at Calvary, in other words, you see Jesus as the only person that is able to keep the law and at that point, justification, just as if you never sinned, God takes the the death of Jesus and he puts it in our account and he takes the life that we lived, blaspheming, living according to the way we wanted to live, and he put that on Christ and Christ paid for the penalty and gave us the righteousness of God in Christ. That is the greatest news you will ever hear in all of your life that you are right with God, not because of the thoughts you have, the things you do, but because of what Jesus accomplished for you. That is the grace of God. So in no way, when we talk about law, are we talking about a set of stuffy rules by grandpa God who is mad at the world. That is not the God that we serve. Amen? (laughs) Even in today's world, the moral compass of the soul and conscience automatically aligns true north when we see issues come up with the Ten Commandments. The moral law puts into words what smites our conscience. Nobody has to tell you it's wrong to murder. You just know when you, you see horrific tragedies, your heart breaks because it's already wired on the inside of us that it's not right. God has also given very important words in the New Testament. Jesus continually taught the commands of God and lived them out perfectly in thought, word, and deed. So Jesus never said, Hey, now that I'm here, these words don't do no longer matter. In fact, he summed it up when they tried to trap him. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body and love your neighbor as yourself. He took all ten commandments. He broke them up into two areas, two tablets. And he said, this is how you please the Lord. And this is how you love one another. So when we look at what the Bible says about the 10 words or the the laws that God has given us or the commands, we need to understand, first of all, once again, that no one, and I mean no one, can keep these 100%. We probably break most of these on a daily basis. I'm not going to even ask for hands. (laughs) But the point is to show us the standard that we could not keep. In other words, when you see the Ten Commandments, you don't say, man, that's pretty cool. I think I can do that. It's designed to draw you to your knees. It's designed to show you how hopeless you are and I am. It's designed to show you how perfect God is and how it's hopeless. But then that's why you bring in the good news of Christ. That's what brings the joy of Jesus into our, our 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 eyes. And we see this is the one in who I serve. This is the one who has kept all of the commandments. This is the one who has lived a perfect life. This is the one who died in my place that I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. We're in a series on Sunday that Pastor Todd's been doing. and It's in Galatians. And there's the verse here in Galatians 3.24 that sums it up. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. So that we might be justified by faith. In other words, the law is there to say, hey, you're done. You are hopeless. It is over for you when you come out of the womb. You are born on Adam Street, condemned to live a life all the way to the end, to die and suffer because of our unrighteousness. But here comes Christ. He walks a perfect life for you and I. He keeps every single law. He keeps every command. He never gets tired. He continues moving forward because he has your face in his mind he has your neighbor's face in his mind and he says you know what I am perfect I am the Lord Jesus Christ I am the righteousness of God and I'm gonna do what you could never do amen the things that trip you up and just and and mess with your mind are the very reasons that you worship Christ so think about that next time you hear the word law or command that is designed to get your eyes focused on Jesus Christ we need to understand that we strive to live these out. We strive to say, okay, this is what God considers righteousness. This is, this is the chart and the path that I'm going to walk on. True faith produces works, not the other way around. John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, you will keep my commands. In other words, you will keep my word. You will keep the things that I've given to you to do. You will walk in these ways. First John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. I'm looking right now at Prince and princesses in the kingdom of God, the mighty army of the living God. God's children is sitting in this place right now. This is a place of royalty, that the royal blood of heaven is in your veins. The king of kings is sitting on the throne right now, waiting to come back to usher you in to royalty where you and I belong. You're not some peasant outside the kingdom of God. You're royalty. And we need to walk like it. We need to think like it. We need to act like it. We need to be all that Christ has given us to be. Amen? Verse 3, <laughs> it says, Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the, it's not about a prayer you prayed. Like sometimes you say, man, are are you saved? And people will say, well, I got saved in vacation Bible school, bless God, when I was six. That's not the question. What does your life look like right now? That's that's how you can tell. That's the litmus test. When you say, when you look at the the commands, just the 10, not the 613, not the dietary laws, bless God. (laughs) Thank God for that. We could eat crawfish. Yes. But if you was Jewish, you couldn't eat it. I don't even know if it's not crawfish, it's crawfish season. But if you think about it in this capacity, he's saying all my commands. In other words, love your neighbor. You don't need to just read it and say, Okay, well, I have to do it. It's not burdensome. A lot of people, you you might not want to love, right? <laughs> oh, okay, well, look, let me take my halo off if y'all don't want to take y'all's off. A lot of people it's hard to love. Right, you, you. Some people, you don't know whether the puck or a duck. If you think about it, some people are very hard. I mean, on Ambassador Caffrey, right? Okay, because I just want to make sure I'm just not living in some different world in New Iberia. Okay, well that's good, because I come here every day as well. But here's. What I want you to understand, love produces a habitual awareness of God's ways and acts on them. That's how you could remember it. Now I want you to see a verse that we, sh- we looked at last week, and we're going to look at it again in Exodus 20, verses 2 through 3. I want you to see the picture. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I want you to see if you look at verse 1, I'm sorry, verse 2, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So in other words, God said, I delivered you. Now walk in my ways. In other words, it's, you're not doing these commandments to get God to notice you. He initiated the relationship with you, and then he says, now this is what I, I require of you. So if you see, this is what he has done, and now you shall have no other gods before me. Then he goes down and lists. The Ten Commandments. See, we have a relationship with them because we not because we obey, but because we have a relationship and it makes us want to obey. He brought them out of slavery, not to bring them into slavery of some stuffy rules. He's saying, hey, this is going to help your society. This is going to help civilization. Right. God gave us this as a gift. This is how you treat your neighbor. This is how you love me. This is the worship that I require. We don't want to give God something that he doesn't want. Amen? Now let's look at the second uh, word. And I want to encourage you, if if you've been keeping up, last week was the first one. We did the introduction and we did the first commandment. You can see it on the podcast or YouTube or the, the church app. You can look at it if you want to follow along. And we'll be doing... The commandment number three next week as well. So let's get into the, the second word God gave to Moses. Exodus 20 verses four through six. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing love and kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Notice how he's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm these three right here, but I'm gonna give thousands of generations. I like that because this is the time when there was no really grace, if you would consider in the Old Testament. I mean, you read the Old Testament, it's like, man, brother, God is not even playing. But you still see His desire for grace you still see his desire to show love and his abilities. And many, many times he exhibited th- that love to people. Even though he was like, kill the cows, kill this, do all this, burn everything. There's love and grace all inter- intertwined in that. And when, and like I said, when we talked last week, there were different scenarios that we used that seemed harsh. But if you look at what God was doing, you saw the grace of God shine through it. I'm not going to take the time to talk about it this week. Like I said, go look and you'll see it. Now, you could say if the first commandment is about worshiping the right God, the second commandment is, a, is could be summed up as worshiping him in the wrong way. Tonight, I want to give you the why and how this applies to us. If you remember the story of Abraham, he was told to leave his idolatrous house and his idol-making family. Then you look at the, the New Testament. Here comes Paul. He goes to the coffee shop, I guess you could say, at Athens, Greece. He sees all of, there wasn't really a coffee shop. This is just where the meeting of the minds went. (laughs) And he went to this intellectual city of the greatest minds assembled in this one spot. And here comes Paul, who was an absolute genius, by the way, who counted all of that as dung. You can know what dung is. (laughs) Okay. Everybody know what dung is? All right, praise him. But he sees all these idols, and this is what he says, I can see that you are religious. Idols look religious, right? They, they carry this mystique of spirituality. So with that being said, let's sum it up in, in layman's terms. Number one, we should not make an image to represent God. And number two, we should not worship any image of any kind. That's how you can look at the second commandment. But that would not be fun if we didn't dig into the lurking questions that you might have in your mind, right? Or is it just me? I like to look at things like this and say, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Right? Because people are asking questions. And we need to be ready to give an account. And that's what I want to try to do tonight. Now, this commandment does not indict art. Right? It does not indict all statues. And here's how we know, because you might be saying, whoa, that don't make sense. If you look in the in, in the, the tabernacle, on the the veil that was there separating God from the people, there was embroidered angels on on that. As well as when you look on the top of the ark, there were two angels that were facing this way, made out of gold with wings, and that's where the blood would apply. So if God didn't want that to happen, he wouldn't have told Moses, put two angels on the top. Does everybody understand that? Because I don't want you to think, oh man, I got a picture of Jesus. Look out. That's not the case. However, If you are lighting candles and bowing down to it, I would stop that. (laughs) Amen. Now, I'm not trying to meddle, but this is a meddling subject. (laughs) Amen. But we got we we all family in here and we could talk, right? Okay. If not, just see me after the service and take it out on me. (laughs) Exodus 32, one through four, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses, I love this translation of this particular verse. Watch this. This is crazy. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come on, man, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. (laughs) That's its fellow. Poor Moses was the spokesperson and I mean, that brother could have got beat by Pharaoh, and all the, they're like, "This dude, whoever this cat is right here, this guy Moses brought us out here to die." And Aaron's like, "Calm down, guys. <laughs> that's just how I think it went." So Aaron said, "Look, take the gold rings from your ears and of your wives, which that's that would. I mean, think about it. Hey, honey, give me them earrings you got." <laughs> so that tells you it was a stressful environment. And, he's, and and daughters, and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, I want to give you a special treat tonight. I want you to look at the screen above you. This is on Mount Sinai. If you don't know, this is in Saudi Arabia. They found Mount Sinai. It's the real Mount Sinai where God came down. I mean, they opened it up. This is the actual altar that the golden calf was placed upon. This, when when Jim and Patty Caldwell went and Ron Wyatt and uh, who's the other guy? Bob Cornuke, they all went at separate times and they opened it up. And this is what... See, these are the, the pictures of the gods, the hieroglyphic gods, because this is what happens. People say, well, you see, bless God, the Bible is full of contradictions. The Bible says, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out. So they were like, there was one golden calf. You see a mis- misinterpretation. No, these are hieroglyphic gods that they worship. Once again, the Bible and archaeology back each other up 100% of the time. The Egyptians worshipped hieroglyphics. They drew the gods. They put the, uh, the the actual gold calf on top of this, and it was the altar. And so you can look this up on YouTube. I mean, I I, I would encourage you to go and check it out. It's amazing. They you, you when you see the top of Mount Sinai, you can see that fire came down. They had people that went in and tested the rock. They busted the rock open. There was like it's impossible. This rock is not burnt on the inside. It's as if some fire just came and sat on top of this. We don't know how that happened. Well, we know the Bible says God descended, right? Then you could see the the 70 springs, I mean, the, the 70 palms and the bitter springs. So as these guys went and walked, they saw the palms. They 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 tasted the springs. It was bitter. They saw the area where the, where the, this giant tree is, was burned. I mean, they saw all of this. They, they literally said it seemed as if this just came right out of the Bible. But the issue was Saudi Arabia had this blocked off. (laughs) When you look in the, in your Bible maps, it said, it'll show you and it's a misprint in the map area. Okay. (laughs) That's, that's man did that. But if you read it, it says they left Egypt. Well, if you look in old Bible maps, they put Mount Sinai in Egypt. So Bob Cornuke was a detective and he said, you know what? I'm going to put feet to this and I'm going to just do what the Bible says. And he went. They were able to get into this. They asked some natives. They said, hey, is this Mount Sinai? And they said, oh, the mountain of Musa, which is Moses, it's called Jabal al-Lawz. I encourage you to go check it out. You will be fascinated by what you see. So let's get back to the verses. I know you want to camp out here like, hey, guys, we got a video, but we don't. So what this commandment is speaking of, the children of Israel literally made a golden calf and said, this is our gods. They got impatient and they they started worshiping this thing. The the Egyptians worshipped the, the god of, it was called Apis. And what it was, it was in the Memphis region, there was a bull that they worshipped. And it was the, the, the god of grain and herds. That's That's basically what they worshipped. So they were breaking the first commandment and the second commandment. Now, what does it look like today? The bowing down before statues of anything and giving it adoration or praise is the purest form of idolatry. Just in case you didn't know. That's kind of awkward. It's quiet. Hope y'all don't have stuff y'all bow down to. This is the place where we sort it out and fix it though, right? Amen? (laughs) I'm going to keep that moving. Boy, I just felt beads of sweat wanting to pour out of my head. (laughs) Listen, just so you know, if they found that actual cross that Jesus died on, it would have no power. You need to know that. We live in a very superstitious culture. Okay, All right. That was easier. Now, here's the life application. Let's finish the back half of the verse. Exodus 20 verses five through six. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Here's a personal example. I had an, uh, it was a second Anne, I guess you could say. And my mom, this was in Generet, so, you know, hey, New Iberia, Generette. Where's Maria? Huh. No, Maria lived in Generet, That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jordan from New Iberia. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, listen, you'll be safe if something pop off and you got New Iberia people in here. That's all I'm going to tell y'all. And Granville, <laughs> but here it is. Okay, I would go, we would go to this aunt, and I believe she was a nun. And I would walk in this house. and I'm probably five or six years old, and I would walk in, and there was this statue, and this thing was huge, I mean, it, like big, and it was just sitting here. And you know, I'm drinking Kool Aid and coffee, and my mom and them are visiting, and she had idols everywhere. And as I thought about that, I remember. Later on, sleeping at my great grandmother's house, taking naps, and there was that statue in Papa and Mama's room looking over me. So I'm trying to connect the dots with my mom. I'm like, hey, did that statue follow us? Because, you know, as a kid, the statue was just, but what it was, it was a, a saint or a nun or whatever. And I just remember seeing that and it spooked me. It really did. So the point is, if we raise our kids in an idolatrous environment, we may walk up and say, hey, can I have that and bring it into my house? Right? Look at what it says in Ezekiel 19 through 24. What, you ask, does the child pay for the parent's sins? No, for if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Thank God for that, right? (laughs) What? All right. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all of their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. All their past sins will be forgotten, and they will live because the righteous things they have done. I love this part. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the sovereign Lord? Of course not. I love that. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. So as an example, when we receive Christ, we move away from those things. We don't bring them into the next generation and we don't become idol worshipers. And at the same time, like we talked about last week, we teach them the ways of God and we pass them down. Remember the verses we read last week about being wise and understanding and having a a really a bright society. Teach your kids the ways of the Lord. Teach your kids and grandkids the Ten Commandments. Just teach them how to how to apply them, how to how to see things through God's eyes. So we are to live out examples to future generations to give them a fighting chance. Amen. I'll give you another example in new Iberia. Once again, well, actually it's in between (laughs) generate. There's a, there's a cult that is situated there. I know I told you it was going to get weird, but it's true. And I want to tell you this part and I'm going to be dead serious with you. There, there's a, a sweet old lady that, Older lady, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. There's an older lady that is there, and she comes in and she talks to Shannon. And what happened was her kids—they basically all grew up in the in this environment. And the kids, the the son and the daughter left and took the grandkids, and she cannot see her family. She uh, ostracized, and she and it breaks her heart because. Remember, if you grow up in an environment, you think thinking mom and daddy's right, right? You know, if, if daddy beats mama, you grow up thinking that's how you show affection. Or that's how you correct when somebody does something wrong. You grow up thinking this is how it is because mom and daddy can do no wrong. And we'll get into that fur- further down the road in the other commandments. But you see that we can pass down behaviors. We can pass down things that we think is right because we honor our mother and father. So we grow up thinking, well, dad could run around and mom could do this or whatever. And that's just how it is. That's how we showed love. Or some people grow up with no affection and think that's just how you are. That's how you act around people. And then your kids can grow up non-affectionate, right? So you see how some of these things are just learned behaviors. And we can pass these things down as though they're normal. And some things are just not normal. Amen? So let's look at the reasons why God forbids worship of images. Number one, God is uncontainable. (laughs) He is a spirit and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That means you don't disregard the truth and just stay spiritual and you don't just be flaky and stay away from the truth. You spirit and in truth, right? But here's the issue. Nothing compares to God. Not, you, you can I want to read you some verses as we continue going down the 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 the, the uh the, the verses continue to go to the next point but think about this we live in a superstitious society I remember there was one time once again in New Iberia here we go <laughs> there was a statue that would cry blood and people was like you need to come see this you need to right did that make it to Lafayette Okay Okay well once again I need to come visit New Iberia, man. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I can say that. I'm from there. I love there. I love that place. And we're the home of Tabasco. Praise God. But we could, we, 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 what we do is we memorialize things, right? If we see something, we, we get superstitious. Mama and Papa, the fruitful lay or whatever, remember? All, all those types of things. That's in our folklore. And then we end up believing that and thinking, well, that's just how it is. And I know some people may be offended, but it we have to separate truth from fiction. we got to stay away from wives' tales and things like that. It muddies the gospel. Now, you know, the, I'll give you an example. I, I'm going to bring Brandon in this. <laughs> there was one time me and him went to a lady's house. She doesn't come here. It's not because we went there. <laughs> No, it was really not. We, (laughs) right? (laughs) She's like, wait, which time did we go? (laughs) All right. We went there. She needed some, some prayer to pray over her house. She was having issues. And so Brandon and I would just, well, what about this? And what about this? And we, so we just prayed and was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have that. So we walk in this room and it was like idle century. I mean, uh, center. Remember? Yeah. Now you remember. (laughs) Okay. And I mean, they had, things that were blessed by this. And I mean, it was just, but she was feeling suffocated. She was feeling troubled. She didn't have any peace. And we were like, hey, man, this room, probably we should take a wrecking ball to this room. Because it just, it brought a lot of gri-gri, I guess you could say. (laughs) But the, the fact of the matter is when we told her, she didn't really receive that. And, you know, we hadn't seen her since. Not because of that. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Let's go. Number two. God is uncomparable. And I'm gonna just you know how they say on social media, I'll just leave this right here. I'm gonna give you some of my favorite verses. I know we gotta go, but Isaiah forty, verses twelve through fourteen. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heaven heavens with his fingers? That's literally from here to here. God is like, this is how much space. This is how much it measures out to who else knows the weight of the earth? who has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to advise him or teach him? Who has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? I, I believe me, I try that all the time. God, this is what I would do. Huh. I know y'all do. Let me see your hand. I just want to make sure I'm not the only heathen. All right, good. See, God? (laughs) Does he need instruction on what is good? Does someone need to teach him what is right? See, a picture of a small God produces small worship. We serve an all-powerful, almighty, unmatched, unrivaled God. There is nothing that is too big. There is nothing outside of his realm, and nothing ever towers over him. I don't even think dust is able to fly above God's head. Isaiah 40, verse 18 through 20. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver change? In other words, he's saying, can rich people make something that represents me? No. Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay as a skilled craftsman. See, God is really being sarcastic here, so God bless sarcasm, (laughs) right? To carve an image that won't fall down. Isaiah 40, 15. He picks up the whole earth as it was a grain of sand. And I literally on the way in was like, I need to get a grain of sand. But literally I could tell you I have sand right here and you'd never know. (laughs) That's literally how God sees the earth. If I dropped the sand, you would not even see it. That's how God measures the whole earth. It's amazing. God sits above the circle of the earth. Isaiah 40, verses 26, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after the other, calling each by name. In other words, God is like, you see this millions of light years, that star, that's Bob. That's Bob. Bob's purpose is this. This is Marie. This is Mary. I mean, God knows the names of the stars because he is great and incomparable strength is what he has. Isaiah 40, verse 28, no one can measure the depths of his understanding. So in other words, we don't need to instruct God, God, this is what I would do. He has depth of understanding we cannot even touch. Number three, believing comes from hearing. There's coming a day where faith will end in sight. Right? Hopefully that day is soon when the Lord returns. That is why preaching and teaching and singing and reading the word is so important. The Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Deuteronomy 4, 11, 14. Let me paint the picture for you. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. While flames from the mountain shot into the sky. Go into the theater of your mind and picture this scene. The mountains were shrouded in black clouds, in deep darkness. By the way, this mountain here is the actual Mount Sinai. We've dug, who's a beast, put it into a graphic. And if you look at the picture online, you will see that it's shrouded in black. In other words, black came down on this mountain. And the Lord spoke to you from the heart of fire. You heard the sound of his words, but didn't see his form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep, which he wrote on two tablets of stone. And I'm going to add for Moses that I broke (laughs) because I was mad. (laughs) If you remember the story, Moses came down, he saw this idol worship, and he threw the commandments down and broke them. Okay. Okay. That doesn't shock you at all, I guess. I would be, I, I mean, I would, if I'm handling the Ten Commandments. Okay, De- Deuteronomy four fifteen through 16. Look what it says. But be very careful. You did not see the Lord from the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So don't corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form. See, there's great reverence hidden in the mystique of God. Number four, God created people to bear his image. Genesis 127, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them man and female. I want you to really get this point. God himself chose to create human beings to represent himself. Idolatry diminishes God and it diminishes us. Let me push the step this a little further. When we sin against our neighbor, we're misrepresenting the nature of God and violating the divine image of God. So in creating an idol, we are looking for God's image where it doesn't exist. And in the other case, we're violating God's image where it does exist. That's why we should love our neighbor. Once again, you see the two tablets intersecting, honoring God and loving our neighbor. And instead of creating something to represent God, let's. Love our neighbor, and in that, we worship God. Amen? So the, here's the life application. Number one, and we're finishing up here. Guard against our stupor, super superstitious bent. The Bible says in First Corinthians, flee from the worship of idols. 1 John 5, 21, guard yourself from idols. In other words, don't let your heart drift to folklore and myth. Or statues, right? Some people have statues, and, and I understand that. But some people have statues, and it's like, oh, this is a sacred area. This wards off evil, right? But it really doesn't. God, the devil's not afraid of a statue. He's not. I I, I thought about getting that statue of that, that big thing, and just that'd have been a great. <laughs> just but i don't want to do that revelation 13 14 through 15 i won't take the time to read this but here's here's this another serious point here when when we look in the last of the last days you're going to see when hopefully not you <laughs> okay let's just say that but you'll see the false be, the false prophet will create this image and it will speak and live right now, there's some people that'll be like, whoa, that must be God. Look, Papa and Mama told me that this would happen, right? Because if you're superstitious, you'll fall for anything, right? You'll, you'll say, well, this must be this. I mean, we do it all the time. I saw, I saw this and I saw that, so it must mean this. Everything comes full circle when we think about it. Daniel was told to bow down before a statue, and people are going to see that in the future. Remember this, God will never use something that he tells us to stay away from to display his power through. So you don't have to worry about this wives' tale and the Bible contradiction. If so, go with the Bible. So we're not to use statues, pictures, or jewelry to bow down to or to, to worship. That's basically the guts of this verse. And we're also not to worship angels. Angels are here. Remember when angels showed up and it was like, whoa, and it was like, oh, stand up, don't worship us. (laughs) So we need to understand that if you saw an angel, you would probably freak out, right? But we wouldn't fall down and worship them. However, people obviously did. So that's once again, one of those great sights that one day we will possibly see. The Apostle Paul wrote, this is something that I want to talk about that really could affect All of us. This is what Romans chapter 1 says, verse 21. Because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or gave him thanks. But instead they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginings, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations. Their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they became simpletons. And by them, the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man and birds and beasts and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their own hearts of impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature Rather than the creator. So you can see how making a religious idol leads to vices of sin. Remember, they got impatient. They were like, We're this Moses guy. Let's, we need to get this thing on the road. How many of us get impatient? We get impatient and we can go into things and, and, and take on idols, right? We want to go somewhere for comfort. We, we're tired of waiting on God. So I'm going to take these pills. I'm going to do whatever to get a peace of mind. Amen. <laughs> that was a trick. You're not supposed to say amen. That's right, brother. We take pills when that happens. (laughs) That's not the case. But I understand medicine, so don't, you know, don't think that. Well, all kind of trouble tonight. But listen, a depraved mind puts animals above people. And we see that today. So when you see things that are happening and the narratives that you see that look normal, anchor yourselves in the Bible. And just realize that you're watching the word of God play out. Amen. Number two, guard the, against the idols of the heart. This is what applies to us. It's easy to become, to, to worship the idols we create with our hand, right? We get, we can do things. We, we start to put our faith in money in the things we have. These are different idols. We can put idols. We can make people idols. We can make emotions idols. So in Colossians, it says, kill or deaden or deprive of power, the evil desires lurking in our members. In other words, when we want to go towards something, it is up to us to recognize, I'm putting my comfort in this. I'm putting my hope in this. I'm putting my trust in this and recognize it and say, you know what? I'm going to deprive. I'm going to starve that thing that I'm putting my faith and trust in. People say all the time, well, how do you know if you're addicted to something? Then stop. That's what I did. I was like, I'm not addicted. They was like, well, stop doing that. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to keep on for a little while. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, you can, we could can be addicted to anything. We could be addicted to energy. I mean, there's so many different things. I don't want to go on a tangent because there's some really offensive will happen. <laughs> but we get addicted to food. We get addicted to Dr. Pepper. Hey, that's, that's, I mean, that's a rough one there. Where we get addicted to things, right? And we ne- next thing you know, we're going to that for comfort, right? Okay. Number three, Jesus has fulfilled. This is the end. We can stand. Jesus has fulfilled this commandment. He made the invisible, untouchable, unknowable God accessible. Amen. John 14, 8 through 10. I love this verse. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. You know what he was saying? Hey, man, Jesus, that was great miracles. You raised somebody from the dead, all these things. But hey, can you peel back the sky and just let us see God? And Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and yet you've not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I believe his heart was broken when he's saying this. Like, bruh, are you kidding me? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Read his word and do his works and let people see Christ in you. We don't need a a figment of imagination that a mosquito can land on or a dragonfly can land on. We represent the living Christ living on the inside of us. Amen. So we don't need any type of image to bow down and worship. We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you, you might be here, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you might have fallen victim to superstitious beliefs, or you might have fallen victim to idol worship or whatever. I mean, only you know what's going on. But I just want to tell you tonight, all it takes is repentance and moving away from that. And I'm telling you, I believe you'll see freedom in your life. You'll see some things change in your life. Amen. You might be here. You might have idols of your own heart that, you, that God has been dealing with you on. I want to encourage you. Whatever idol is propped up in your heart, lay that down and pick up Christ. And, and, and just from now on, just keep your faith in Jesus and what he's doing. And I know it sounds simple and it can sound cliche and like a Christian platitude, but that's really not. God is trying to show you himself. Listen, he is almighty and he is all powerful. And if you can keep your eyes fixed on what you do not see one day, when you do see it, you are going to be in awe. And I want you to start training your mind, training your heart, your soul, and your spirit to not look at the things. I mean, the children of Israel would have looked at Mount Sinai and probably want to go touch it. And, and that's, that's okay. I understand that. When we were in Israel in 2000, there was a lady that was bowing down before this plate where they said Christ's body was laid. And she, was, she had crosses, and she was laying them down and pouring water and rubbing the crosses on herself. That's idolatry. That's idol worship. But if she believes in Christ, she has everything she would ever need. So I want to encourage you. And you might be here and you say, I don't even know Jesus. I just want to encourage you tonight to receive him as Lord. And I want to pray with you with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you do not know Jesus and you want to receive him tonight, I just want the whole church to pray this prayer with me. The prayer is not going to save you. It's if you meet it in your heart and your life now shows a regenerated, uh, repentant spirit in life, right? You'll know that. You'll know. People will say, man, you did, the dog will know that you're saved when you come home. Father, I just come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. And Father, I, I bring the people of God before you as well as myself and Lord we're asking for your grace and your mercy and Lord if there is anybody that is here that does not know you God I ask that you would invade their heart and their space with your grace and power and love and show them that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords God show them what it means to be a child of the most high and God I'm asking that if there's any idols that are in the hearts of the people crush them down to fine face powder and show them Not you, the idols. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Lord, I'm asking that you would show them your great and mighty ways. God, that they would move away from the things that are taking your place. God, just show them what we're talking about. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. And the church said, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, if you need prayer, we'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you. If not, good night.